Welcome, friends, to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help your church thrive. I'm your host, Carrie Holton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Becky Holton. Yes, you are. (laughs) How are you today? Doing okay. Little hoarse. Yes, you sound a little bit hoarse. You have such a nice radio voice, and I feel like squeaky queen over here. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, say, today we're going to talk about a topic that you and I have talked about a lot through the years, aren't we? Yes, we have. It's a topic of how do church leaders, in particular how do ministers, help church members who need special care or special help. And in particular, we're thinking about counseling. How, How do ministers help church members with counseling? And to be even more specific, we want to talk about who provides this special care or who provides this counseling. And this is a topic that you are especially invested in, isn't it? Yes, it's a topic that I care a lot about and one that I believe is a vital topic as well. But it's also a very complex topic as we start trying to unthread this um, this content today. You know, as you know, honey, we've spent many years in ministries, and we've had a lot of people in our home who have sat in our living room or around our kitchen table sharing with us some of the great difficulties and challenges in their lives or that they were going through. And when that was happening, we we listened and we cared for them, and we did the best we could to help them, of course, with God's help and with Scripture and prayer. But often when they would leave, I would feel so inadequate because um, we didn't see change and improvement as time went on and as these friends of ours worked through some of the difficulties. So when we got our kids up a little older, I went back to school as a rather old person. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a card catalog anymore when I Mm -hmm. went back. And I went back um, taking with me my Christian principles because I am number one, dedicated to Jesus, and I went back to better equip myself to serve others in their dark and challenging days. And I guess I've been a licensed therapist now for about 20 years, and I've had a lot of schooling and a lot of experience, and it's still very humbling, I think, when people sit in our living rooms or at our kitchen table, and, and oftentimes I still feel inadequate to walk with people who are in these hard places in their lives, but I do feel... Um, more confident because of the learned skills that I believe God has allowed me to uh, find along the way. Yes. Well, you know, I'm grateful for every one of you Christian counselors. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the time and the effort that you've put into learning this practice, how to help people professionally, how to help them uh, navigate through very tough times. I, I appreciate all that you've done. Uh, But I I appreciate everyone uh, of you Christian counselors out there who are listening to this podcast for the time and effort that you have invested to learn skills that we need in the church, and and we do need them in the church. There is a need for Christian counselors for sure. People, even Christian people, have problems for which they need skilled counsel. It's true that when people are in challenging places, they often seek out ministers and church leaders to help them. And, of course, that makes sense because these are people they trust these are people who have a relationship with God. And so it makes a lot of sense that when they face these challenging times, they would go to ministers and church leaders. But but I'm grateful for those of you who have received specialized training to help others in ways that mere ministers of the word cannot help them. 
Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. And that's what we want to talk more about today. When is that a great option to talk to your minister or church leader? And when might other options be preferable? And especially when is it better to see a licensed therapist, especially one um, with a biblical foundation and focus? Good. Well, I think it would be helpful to us if you could define some terms before we get too deep into this topic. I am particularly wanting to understand the difference between a therapist slash counselor and a pastoral counselor. Okay, that's a that's a good place to start to try to define these terms. So let's talk first about the pastoral counseling role. Um, pastoral counselors are often um, what we would call spiritual leaders with training in counseling. And oftentimes they're rabbis or ministers or pastors or priests. They're religious leaders in their particular um, religious um, group. And many pastoral counselors are also licensed or certified and have special training in the field of counseling. In fact, it's interesting that uh, in more recent years, because of liability issues, many states are now requiring their pastors and ministers to be licensed as pastoral counselors if they plan on doing any counseling in their ministerial role. So we might say that's that's the who of pastoral counseling. What pastoral counseling is, it's the practice of talking with individuals, couples, and families to increase their understanding of emotional and religious conflict and to help resolve problems using religious and other theological resources. Overall, ministers are the people in our lives who uh, we want them to help keep us centered on what is important, namely our faith and our relationship with God. So when someone in the midst of problems is is going through a dark time and they go to see a minister, a pastoral counselor will encourage them to focus on prayer, on scripture, and God's presence in working through their challenges. I like that. I like your definition of pastoral counseling. You know, sometimes All that a person may need is spiritual direction, as you say, uh, to uh, to guidance to turn to Scripture, uh, to prayer, and to God's presence as as God works in their lives. And sometimes that encouragement is just what the doctor ordered. But sometimes they need more than spiritual direction, right? Yes, sometimes people need help for complex issues. And sometimes they are so wounded, I would even venture to say, they can't hear God yet. And that may sound kind of strange, but there have been times I've talked with people who are in such a, a difficult place in life that their con- their issues are so complex that the spiritual focus is not, they're not capable of it at that point, um, even though that, that may sound really sad, and it is. Uh, So therapy, which is also called counseling, is about relational and behavioral change. Um, This kind of therapy is intended to empower individuals to accomplish healthy goals. And by the way, contrary to some people's opinion, a person or a client's faith is very important when they see a therapist as well. In fact, in my training, it, we were told it is illegal not to support a client's faith. And I think a lot of people don't know that. For example, if someone comes in and they are wanting to um, 
use scripture and their faith is important, it would be illegal for a therapist to put down their faith or not to respect that. Um, But in therapy uh, or the counseling role, the goal is to improve relationships and to alter behaviors through very specific techniques that are unique to this profession. Therapy tends to involve deeper issues, um, physical, sexual abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, specific mental illnesses, which also includes depression, eating disorders, many things like that. And this kind of therapy is provided by a licensed counselor, psychologist, marriage and family therapist, etc. There's many different kinds of licensed counselors. And these are people who have extensive training. They will go back to school um, post bachelor's schooling for anywhere from two to six years um, to obtain additional work. And then beyond that, they will be required to be in two to three years of, of supervised therapy, where their actual clinical work is being supervised by someone that is very experienced in the field. Then they'll be required to pass several board exams and ethical exams. And then after you you finish all of that, it's, uh, you know, being a licensed therapist is the gift that keeps on giving because then you have to continue to have continuing hours um, every year or two years to keep your license up to date. So it's a lot of a lot of training that goes goes into this type of field. And there are also a lot of many faith-based therapists, as I am, who incorporate biblical principles into therapy. Uh, and it's incorporated, of course, as much as a client wants that to be involved in their therapy. Wow. Sounds like there's a lot of training involved in being a professional counselor. There is. And um, as long and tedious as it is, and you, God love your heart, you walk through me through it with me, Um it's right. It's the right thing to do because if you're not careful as a therapist, if you haven't had training, you can really hurt somebody and uh, do more harm. Folks, we'll get back to this conversation in just a moment. I want to talk for just a minute about some of the resources that we offer at Connect 3 Ministries. You can read more about them at our website, effectivechurchleaders.com. What we want to do is offer practical advice and insights to help church leaders get better equipped, lead more effectively, and help their church thrive. And the end result is so important to us, helping the church thrive. You know, church leaders want the church to be healthy. They want the church to grow, but they often feel ill-equipped, not knowing how to bring that about. I found an interesting statistic that our daughter Susanna shared with me not too long ago. She said a recent Pew Research study found that today 65% of Americans claim to be Christian. That's down from 77% in 2009. And here's an even more startling statistic. Today, 26% of American citizens claim that they have no religion at all. And that is up from 17% in 2009. And what that means is our culture is becoming more and more unchristian. And churches are having a hard time thriving and growing and flourishing in that kind of environment. So we want to do all that we can to help church leaders help the church thrive and to be healthy. If we can help you in some way, let us know. Here's one way you can help us. 
uh, spread the word about this podcast. We hope this podcast does offer practical advice to help church leaders. And we'd like for you, if you would, to spread the word. Uh, tell your friends and other church leaders and other congregations about this podcast. And we hope that this will be effective and it will help them. Thank you very much. Well, it seems to me as you've as you've contrasted pastoral counseling and professional therapy, it seems to me that there are quite a few similarities between therapy and pastoral counseling. Both rely on verbal communication and on the relationship between the minister or the church leader or the therapist and the client or the person seeking counseling. Both relationships are characterized by empathic, non-judgmental work together that require good listening skills, the ability to reflect and give feedback, all of which is built on trust and honesty. And it can even have a focus from a spiritual context, as you said. Right, that's true. And those are really good insights. There, there are a lot of similarities. Um, but before we go further, can I, let's pause. I really want to ask you a question. Okay. Um, as a therapist, even as a Christian therapist, because I... Um, Part of my education was done in a religious institution where scripture and biblical principles were part of my training. Um, but as a therapist, a Christian therapist, I have run up against some bias against Christians seeking um, counseling to begin with or going to see a licensed counselor. And that that's always been kind of hard for me to understand from your ministry perspective, why do you think that bias is present among some religious leaders or just church members? Well, that's a good question. I could just offer a few possibilities. I think I think some people have had a bad experience with professional counseling, mm-hmm. or they've known someone who had a bad experience. And specifically, they may have had a counselor who actually hurt their faith maybe made fun of their faith or told them in so many words that their faith wouldn't get them through the problems that they were facing. And so I think some people have a bias against professional counseling because they've, they've heard some horror stories in the past. I think another reason may be that some people think the Bible is a sufficient guide, that it's sufficient as a source of answers for our lives and for any problem that we might face. And you know why we believe in the all-sufficiency of Scripture? Uh, I think we could say that there are some very, very complex mental health problems that can be uh, assisted or can be overcome by professional counseling. So while I would never, never uh, demean the Bible or say that it's not a valuable resource, I think there might be some problems that people have uh, that could use uh, some other resources. And, and I think maybe another reason may be that the word counsel as advice giving, uh, that, that should be provided by other Christians, many of us think. You know, we, we think, okay, counsel, that's giving advice, that's mm-hmm. spiritual direction. That should be provided by other Christians, and that is a good practice. However, uh, what professional counselors provide, I think, is very different from what we're talking about. Right. I, I appreciate your perspective on that because I, of course, want to um, be respectful to those who have that perspective, but it's been confusing to me to try to understand that as I believe God gives us everything that we need for life and godliness as the scriptures teach. Right. 
But I know that some of the things God has blessed me with in my life have been people who have come into my life in different ways that's helped me. And I would hope that a counselor could be one of those people right. that provides. Um, and and I do I do believe that there there are some counselors that are not godly. There is some godlessness in in some of the therapeutic approaches, but that's just like everything else: science, geology, geology things like that. So we have to use a filter um, right. of what is going to be right. good and holy, but. Back to my question, what would you say to those people who have a bias against Christian counselors, and especially the objection that the Bible is the only thing that we need to deal with our problems? Well, I think you hit on it. Uh, My first response, I think you hit on it earlier when you said that God provides all things for life and godliness. I I want to refer to James chapter 1, and I don't think I'm taking this passage out of context. You know, in James 1, Uh, James says that uh, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. In other words, God is the source of every good thing in this world. And I I believe, as you said earlier, that that means people. That means people who have trained themselves and have educated themselves and have specialized training to help people. Those are gifts from God. Uh, That's the first thing I would say is that we should view those people who are professional Christian counselors with special training, we should view them as gifts from God. But I also want to say I I do believe in the sufficiency of the Scriptures. I certainly do. But I also believe that God provides people and other resources as we need them. I believe a Christian therapist can be an answer to prayer for many people. Well, thank you. I appreciate that perspective. Um, It's helpful to hear that. You know, recently I ran across a Thomas Rayner survey that I found very helpful to this conversation we're having right now, and it was fascinating the approach that it took. The survey asked ministers why many of them chose not to have a pastoral counseling ministry. Hmm. In other words, um, Rayner went back to his uh, some of his subscribers that were in the ministry and said, um, Based on this survey that you were saying, you said that many of you are choosing not to do any counseling, and that surprised him. So we asked them to tell why counseling was one of the least favorite things in their ministry. And uh, let's talk about that in part two, and because that will take a little bit more time. Oh, I look forward to that. That, that sounds very interesting. And uh, can I say something before, before we close, too? I want to say again how grateful we are. I'm speaking as a church leader now. How grateful church leaders are for the professional Christian counselors among us who give us some special skills, some special help that we would not have otherwise. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you. I, you know, I think I'm in this field today, not just because of feeling inadequate, but because of the influence from other Christian counselors that I knew in our congregations. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well, once again, friends, thanks for joining us in these conversations and thanks for listening to the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively and help your church thrive. 